Welcome to Skip the Line, the podcast about the technologies and tactics that are transforming retail, food service, and fan experiences across the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Skip the Line, a Mash Gin podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We really appreciate you listening to this kickoff episode. We have so much great content planned to explore the various ways that innovative technology is reshaping how we purchase from start to finish. So as you're listening to today's kickoff episode, make sure that you're going to our website, mashgin.com, for more information on some of the technologies and methodologies that you'll hear about today. But also make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for all of our future thought leadership. Hit that subscribe button, and then you'll have a full catalog of previous episodes as they get uploaded, as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're getting a holistic view of where the workplace and its structures and amenities have landed post-COVID. We're getting closer to vaccination at scale here in the U.S., and several states are lifting workplace restrictions, for example, like here in Texas. As we maneuver this tricky return to the workplace at scale, employees and businesses have to make some decisions around what the workplace looks like, feels like, and how it operates day to day. So today, we're exploring how amenities have and will continue to shift to meet today's workplace needs. I'm pleased to welcome our two thought leaders today to discuss this timely topic. First up, we have Prentice Hall, president and co-founder of LifeWorks Restaurant Group, which is a restaurant group that delivers immersive culinary experiences to businesses. Prentice Hall, great to have you on. How are you doing? Doing great today, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Absolutely. Real pleasure getting to chat today. And on the flip side, our second thought leader is Barbara Bowden, formerly with J.P. Morgan Chase and currently managing partner for 4XI Global Consulting and Solutions, which is a company that's helping other businesses develop a more engaged and productive workforce through a balance of technology, design and financial goals. Barbara Bowden, great to have you on as well. How are you doing? Great, Daniel. Thank you. Absolutely. Real pleasure getting to chat with both of you. So I think it's time to jump right in. First thing I want to do is get some perspectives from both of you before I unify the conversation. So Prentice, we're going to start with a few questions for you to hear a bit about where businesses are now uh, a year out from the start of COVID restrictions in the States. So I want to start here. Your business model uh, obviously centers on in-person experiences. How did your company adapt over the past year to stay afloat? Uh, that's a great question, Daniel. The, I'll tell you what, first of all, uh, we've got some really great supportive clients in this industry. And, you know, they, I, they and we all realize that we're in this together. So you've seen a lot of support from clients who have uh, volunteered to go ahead and keep people whole through this whole process uh, where, you know, in, in some cases, uh, cafes and amenities were shut down completely because there was no one at work to uh, other cases where there were essential workers that needed to be fed, needed to have amenities and, and those kinds of things. But uh, they've done a, done a great job of uh, working with companies like mine to make sure that we have done the best we can during this time to, to keep people engaged, both on our side of the house with our workforce, as well as with the client's workforce as well. You know, the, the focus on experience uh, is still there. 
Uh, it's just kind of a different definition of in-person experience. And, you know, back before COVID, it was all about experience on campus. Today, it's more about experience wherever you may work. And that could be home, it could be a campus, it could be anywhere in between. So today, the challenge is how do you get these amenities uh, to folks wherever they are uh, to help them be most productive and to allow the client to also create that best place to work, so to speak, so that they can continue to get the best talent out there in the industry. So now that we are returning to some sort of normal, at what scale are businesses reaching back out now to book LifeWorks for in-person events? And how do you think that reflects kind of where we're at in this return to normal process? Well, we're a, you know, an in-depth piece of the strategy for each of the clients that we serve. We, you know, we help them create uh, the, the new vision and the new strategy for what the new workplace and the new normal will look like. Uh, so we're heavily involved with that. And, and right now, people are still, you know, got a lot of questions. They're trying to figure out what is it going to look like when, when folks return and, you know, how much catering might there be, how many people will be on campus at any one time. And that's a, that's an interesting, uh, interesting kind of dilemma because while people right now from all the research in the industry are saying they want to go back to the office, the funny part about it is they, they only want to go back to the office about two to three days a week which presents a new challenge in that uh, that means that in on any given day, 40 to 75% of the pre-COVID population may be on campus. So extrapolate that and it tells you that somewhere between 25 and 60% may not be on campus. So again, it goes back to how do you, how do you deliver an experience and how do you, you know, remove have nots, uh, you know, from the, this new workplace where people are away from campus how do you make them a have just like the people that are on campus? And it's pretty interesting with some of the things that, that we've done uh, over this time. The, uh, this last year with COVID, you know, one of the, one of the uh, things that we did is we had to figure out how to be able to deliver things to employees at home. And, we, you know, we created a way to do that through the mail. Uh, we created a way to do that through just, you know, delivery, uh, delivering food. Uh, with either our own fleet or through third-party aggregators to get food to uh, to employees who are working at home, beverage as well. But uh, you know this uh, this was kind of uh, kind of a fun uh, fun challenge for us that allowed us to get in there and get really creative with some new ways to uh, to innovate and uh, and get uh, get folks uh, things safely uh, delivered to wherever they might be. Of course, doing it on campus is pretty simple, but the uh, the part uh, the part about getting it to their homes is uh, is the innovative part. Right, right. And now that we are again about a year out from the start of the pandemic, uh, since you've had to adapt, do the programs look very different now, uh, or at least are end users asking for something new out of the programs because of the broader sort of hybridization of these experiences? Or are they still looking for that traditional uh, service that you have been providing for several years? This is where you get back to, to like, uh, yes to all of those. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> they, it. uh, it, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a bell curve, if you will. You know, there's, there's about, uh, let's just say 30% of the people um, in the, in the workforce that want to go back to work and have everything be normal again. 
there's another 30% on the other end that are, that are very, very timid about it and very, very cautious about it. And they're not anxious to get back in there with those kinds of same normalities. And then you have folks in the middle that are, you know, leaning toward either edge. So, so it's, uh, you get a little bit of all of it. But one of the things that is, that is just like pervasive, and, and it's actually several things, is first of all, keep me safe. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go ahead and get up, you know, out of bed, get out of my house, drive to work, and go to go to back to work on campus, then make me feel confident that I'm gonna be okay. I'm not gonna get sick. I'm not gonna get anybody in my family sick. Then you know, essentially, that that is paramount. Uh, and it's kind of getting into new and innovative ways to, you know, express that safety. So it used to be people kind of assumed everything was safe, it was clean, uh, so on and so forth. Now they not only do they want to assume it, they want to see it. They want to see it, you know, firsthand. So they want to see us cleaning more often. They want to see us, uh, you know, right in front of them doing that. They want contactless uh, checkouts. They want mobile online ordering and prepay, uh, you know, pre, uh, you know, essentially pre-order, prepay, and have things um, that I can pick up or, or that you could deliver to me, whether that was to my desk, to, my, to a locker, to a lobby, to whatever it may be. But get it to me kind of whenever I need it, wherever I need it, however I need it. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's the part that is, uh, that is changing. And especially when you consider that, uh, that part of the workforce that will not be at work and is going to, you know, they're going to be at home for maybe two to three days a week. Uh, the same things apply. How do you get them what they want, when they want it, how they want it, et cetera. Um, and that, uh, that too is where you're going to see a lot of accelerated innovation that will lead to things like uh, robotics, uh, drones uh, for delivery, third-party aggregators for delivery. Uh, also, uh, just, um, you know, local groceries on site. So, you know, at campus so that uh, folks can pick up groceries on their way home rather than having to stop again somewhere else. Um, you know, so that this whole thing is uh, is going to look a little bit different um, and populations are going to be different. Like I said, so will travel. Uh, corporations will likely not travel like they used to, which means the uh, on-site caterings and things like that will likely not be the same as they used to be, at least in the short run. Uh, perhaps over time, this will all go back to the, the norm that we used to know, but uh, right now it looks like that, uh, that this is gonna uh, stick with us here for at least the next uh, couple of years. All right, Prentice, thanks for all that context. I wanna jump over to Barbara now, ask some similar questions, but for your industry, Barbara, and then we will start to bring both of you together for some conversation. So Barbara, great to have you on again. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Absolutely. All right, let's jump in, Barbara. So you are consulting with businesses about the future of work. Uh, I'd like to unpack that a bit. What do you think is top of mind for companies right now about the future of work? Are there any factors that are uh, you know, most important or that you see a lot of your clients um, prioritizing? Sure. So just um, going off of what Prentice said, you know, right now, actually this weekend, there was a survey done by major companies, major employers in New York City. And it um, showed that 22% of companies expect to come back full time after the pandemic. 9% say they're gonna work totally remote, which leaves 69% coming back in some type of hybrid fashion. Um, and so 
that's challenging for companies right now to think about, you know, what does that really look like and how do we make sure that not everyone is there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and off Monday and Friday because you need to make sure the place is safe. You need to, you know, have some distance and um, you want people to collaborate in the best way possible. And I think that's the number one thing that companies are missing right now is the ability to innovate because of having that collaboration. When you have everything scheduled, it's um, it's not, you're not getting that water cooler uh, conversation that can lead to a spark of, of an idea and then leads into, you know, innovation and um, other types of, you know, ways that people care about the culture of the company, et cetera. So I think that's really important. And um, if you think about space as it's defined in the building itself, where and how you collaborate and how you work is going to be different. Are you going to now need to, you know, reserve a desk? Are you going to need to have places where you can collaborate with the people that may be at home? So making technology a bigger part of how every place functions and going back to contactless and mobile, those are really going to be important from, um, you know, operating on your phone. How are you getting into the building? Where are you going? How are you ordering your food? How are you ordering your desk? Uh, you know, are you gonna order food to be delivered to your desk or to the place where you actually are sitting that day? There's a lot of different um, you know, technologies that I think will be brought in. They were already starting to be developed and just in some companies were being used quite significantly, but this is going to be a major accelerator to technology and to that collaborative environment. And now that remote workflows have become more normalized and have more infrastructure support, both operationally and on the network side of things, how do you see remote work support fitting into your strategies moving forward? I think that um, Prentice um, made mention of it. Companies don't want to leave employees out, right? So if they're at home, how are they being connected to the mothership, right? So you know, if you have some of your team working at home and some of them working in the office, how do you do those meetings where everybody feels engaged and involved? And, you know, once again, technology is going to play a big part, but there's also the social part of being at home. And how do you create a culture where, you know, you might have an entire workforce working from home or, or a good portion of it? You know, the culture happens when you're together and there's there's this transparency of interactions and and i think that companies will continue to try to figure out ways that they can become more connected i mean one one thing that some companies are doing is you know the commute has always been a an issue right and so it takes a lot of time and you know that hybrid and remote working allows employees to schedule work around their life versus the other way around so, you know, we're also seeing, you know, companies that are looking for kind of a, a hub areas in various parts of the um, uh, country versus everybody having to commute into a longer space. So using neighborhood type of um, spaces 
instead of just everybody going into one singular office. All right, let's open it up now to some larger conversation. So Prentice, we're going to bring you back in here. So are you seeing employers more interested in functional amenities to support all of these reimagined workflows? Or are they more interested in the workplace transforming completely to be a more experience-led space? So basically, functionality or experience, are you seeing a divide? Which and why? Well, it's a great question. I I think, you know, again, you're going to see a lot of both. But I, I think that experience is the key differentiator to create a best place to work. Functional amenities are good, but the experience is what makes the difference. If you can create a place where people want to be there versus have to be there, whether they're working at home for a company or whether they're working on campus for a company, then you've got really what I would call a best place to work. And that's what what uh, companies and the majority of our clients are, are looking for, is that differentiating experience. So adding on to what Prentice said, I think that if you look at what people want and what they've gotten out of the pandemic, which was more time to themselves, a, a space to, you know, have, you know, their food right away, they could have their childcare, whatever it may be, things were easier at home in some in some ways. Companies are going to need to create spaces and places that give ease to the to the employee, make them want to um, take that commute into the office, but yet still have the ease of their life. And, and I think that's where, you know, work not being the most fundamental thing anymore, people started to realize, hey, I need to take care of my body, myself, my mind. Mindfulness is going to play a big part in this. I think that um, finding Places to collaborate is is going to be absolutely important, but so is places to just rest your mind. So I think that having a diverse and uh, diverse building that really gives a lot of different things to different people will be key because not everyone functions the same way, not everyone works the same way, not not everyone socializes the same way. So you really are going to need to create spaces and experiences that will. Um, be met by many people and have a, have a lot of different experiences. So Barbara raised a lot of good points there around the whole work-life integration piece. And, you know, we used to in this industry talk about work-life balance. We never were really good at it pre-COVID. If you look at corporate America pre-COVID, there was so much stress involved with just getting to and from work, fighting traffic and alone in that commute in New York City or San Francisco, Boston, Dallas, wherever it may be. You were stressed when you got to work. You were stressed when you got home. If you were to take the day in the life of an employee, uh, you know, all the different things they had to do to get kids to school, to get, pick them up, to get homework done, dinner on the table. Uh, you know, that whole thing, if you went through a 24-7 period, was a bit of a nightmare regarding stress and just uh, just time crunch. What we learned during COVID, because we got to see it firsthand on all these Zoom calls and team calls and WebEx calls and things like that, is that we, we got to see how people were working from home. And all of a sudden, it became much more about integration than it ever did about balance. You would have two to three people working out of the same home, 
which meant increased needs on the internet. They also had their kids, uh, you know, being homeschooled and or taking school at home. At the same time, you'd see cats and dogs running around the house, you contractors coming in and out, so on and so forth. And then just the need to run errands, get food, et cetera, et cetera. We all kind of became firsthand, uh, you know, knowledgeable of this need to integrate work and life. And I think that's where the, uh, the innovation is going to really accelerate here in this industry is, you know, how, because we're going to have so many people working at home as well as on a campus, how do we get that work-life integration to really, really work and, uh, and to make it, uh, make it palatable for, uh, for the employee? And the technology part of it should give us time back. It should reduce stress. It should uh, it should uh, take things off our plate a little bit and give us that that opportunity to get through a day much better than we did before, so that we're more productive at work and we're also more productive at home, and and that's uh, that's what I look forward to in in terms of kind of creating that best place to work as well. As we talk about amenities in general, I feel like food is always top of mind. I'm curious both of your thoughts on this. How do you see on-site dining evolving as businesses return to work? Both some of the safety aspects around that and the cultural shifts around, you know, people sitting in the same mess hall to eat, uh, as well as any of the sort of experience or operational aspects of on-site dining that may have evolved. First of all, we would never call it a mess hall. It's a restaurant, right? So, yeah, um, right. yes, yeah. But I think there's a there's an opportunity for a reset and a, and a powerful moment to update without resistance to change. In fact, I think most employees expect change, and the winners will be those that develop creative ways to engage their employees and innovate. Now, I'm curious as we talk about on-site dining. Where do you see the place of the traditional, established, uh, and in many ways already built out restaurant or on-site cafe that many of these companies and large campuses have? Do you think that that space is going to relatively stay the same, or are we going to see updates and evolutions to the workflows or technologies or operations of those spaces? Yes, good question. And I think what you're going to see is is still tremendous interest in having on-site cafes and dining areas where people can go uh, take a look at what's being offered for the day, um, graze a little bit, select select whatever kind of meal they want, um, and you know with a with a group of people as well uh, to sit down and have uh, lunch or breakfast or whatever meal period, just like they uh, used to in the past. Uh, I don't I don't think that will be diminished really at all. I think what you'll see, at least in the short term, is some new protocols around those uh, the, around those restaurants. Uh, you'll see some, uh, you know, distancing. You'll see some people wearing masks. You'll uh, you'll see a, a lack of self serve uh, food items like self serve salad bars and self serve um, uh, market bars or hot bars, uh, so to speak. Uh, I think for at least uh, the immediate future, those will those will be far and few uh, between. Uh, but I, uh, I think eventually uh, they, they may come back. Uh, but, uh, but right now, you'll, you will see some of those changes into, into uh, to what a traditional cafe used to look like. Uh, but I think you'll see some new 
uh, pretty cool things too. I think you'll see that uh, that there's going to be a little bit of outdoor dining uh, to again uh, kind of recognize not only uh, the safety uh, protocol uh, that came about with COVID, but also just the fun factor. People like to be outside. We're, we're coming into spring and summer months here. Uh, vaccines upon us. Uh, there there uh, there should be the opportunity to uh, to see a lot more of these kind of traditional feeding opportunities done outside as well as in the indoor uh, cafes. I think another thing that you're going to see is a chance to right size. Not everybody's going to come back at 100% population. Uh, they may start out with like 20%, and you know, then maybe go to 50, and then you know, climb all the way back up to as high as they uh, determine necessary. But uh, in the beginning, uh, in these large campuses where maybe they had five or six cafes or even more, uh, probably won't need to open all of them in the beginning. So, so you'll see a, a, an attempt to right size uh, and get it right for the population as it comes back and then grow with that population as appropriate. Uh, but a lot of fun to still be had with, uh, with on-site cafes. I think the other thing that you mentioned about space is, uh, is the opportunity to use those cafes even differently. If you think about uh, technology that we've, uh, we've talked about uh, already with uh, mobile online ordering and, and those kinds of things, uh, a lot of these campuses with multiple cafes uh, can implement what we'll call a ghost kitchen that can be open all day long. That was not the norm in the past. Uh, cafes used to close uh, sometimes between breakfast and lunch and usually always by around two o'clock in the afternoon. If you wanted a full meal, you really couldn't get one. You'd have to go to a, a, a micro market or something, get a grab and go uh, item. But with a ghost kitchen and mobile online ordering, you can virtually order all day long, and that ghost kitchen can can uh, deliver food to wherever it makes sense, whether it's a lobby, a locker, or, or a desk, or people can come pick it up. But you know that way, folks who had to work through lunch no longer are stranded. They can get something delivered at 3, 3.30, 4, uh, whatever it may be, including uh, ordering a meal to take home with them for the family that night. So uh, it, it opens up uh, the possibilities with all of the space that's out there today that already has a kitchen and, the, and a production facility ready to go. So it should be a lot of fun. And I'll just add on to that, um, Prentice. Uh, absolutely agree. And I, and I do believe that the restaurant on site will um, continue to be utilized because people still like to see what they have so so mobile ordering will have it have its place um but i do believe that there will be still be a significant amount of people that want to see and understand how their food is being prepared and and shop with their eyes right and so then you will see a change in technology i don't think that as many traditional um cashiers for instance would would um be needed because i think you will see more contactless going back to the safety aspect of that for payment. And I think that the space itself in the seating areas will be used all day instead of just breakfast and lunch. I think that you will see them transformed into spaces that people can meet and hang out, which also gives another opportunity to buy, self-checkout, not need as much labor, um, you know, incorporating some of those um, convenience items into some of the space, because as you have less population, you, your need for maybe utilizing the entire space for um, a full service cafe may change and you may be able to incorporate some, you know, grab and go grocery items, etc. 
into um, one area and have that operating even 24 seven if you are using some type of a, um, a self-checkout mechanism. I'm glad you brought that up, Barbara, because, you know, remember we talked about eliminating have-nots. And there's five generations of the workforce in, you know, in these companies that, that we're talking about. So when you think about that, some are really tech-savvy and they really like that mobile ordering and online ordering and that kind of thing. Some would prefer to go down and, and do an in-person and face-to-face checkout. Some uh, would still like to go down and see, uh, you know, graze around, see what's there, and then order, and and then they might be okay with a, uh, you know, a self checkout, uh, which is contactless, and that's particularly important for today. And and I think you know the Mastion uh, checkout system or POS system is remarkably well suited for that. Uh, it's uh, you know it's really really easy uh, and really really fast. And, and that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I think the average checkout for a Mastion is, uh, is about seven seconds. The slowest part of that is the human taking the credit card out. So, you know, it's, it's really a, a cool device that can, uh, can help in a contactless world and address many of those folks who want to still come down and have that kind of um, in-person experience in the, in the cafe. When you look at things like mobile and contactless in cafes and coffee shops and pantries, they'll be extremely important. And I I said before, companies were already starting to do a lot of this, but this is just accelerating all of it because that brings in a whole piece of safety into this as well as convenience and and working from home, everyone kind of got used to ordering their food Um, and, you know, from third party. So I think companies like Prentices with LifeWorks will We'll need to make sure that that's ingrained in, um, you know, how they deliver um, these services going forward. And and food is the glue. You know, it, it is where people feel in a company that they have the right to take a break, right, and and to interact socially. And some companies, you know, that's a hard thing for people to do. They feel like they should always be working. So if you create an acceptable environment and usually that is around food, um, it will, um, it will help people to become, you know, more, um, engaged, you know, I'll give you an example. When I was at JP Morgan Chase, we had all these big, huge, empty lobbies, right? They were brand and, and vast and, and very nice, but they weren't, they weren't used. And um, we were really um, pushed to figure out a way to activate these lobbies. And by putting in a brand name coffee shop, we were able to create spaces with some comfortable seating and technology that became really popular destinations. And so even if you're entering or exiting the space, you'd bump into people. What does that create? Casual collisions. What does that create? Innovative opportunities. You know, this is, uh, in the the immediate term, uh, there will be some noticeable differences from pre-COVID. Protocols are a little different. Uh, You know, distancing is is different. The maximum number of people you can have in a space inside is, uh, is different. So you'll definitely see those. You'll see some... You know, uh, in, in increased overtness of cleaning and sanitation and things like that. Uh, you will also see uh, this use of technology for mobile online, which allows people to pre-order, pre-pay, pick up, and/or have food delivered 
Uh, that was kind of around before, but it's really gotten accelerated now. To Barbara's point, people are used to ordering that way uh, now at home. And so as they come back to the office, we certainly expect them to make use of, uh, of those kinds of things that allow uh, you know, the safety and the distancing to, uh, to better take place. Uh, but I think what you're also going to see is some other things that, you know, the, the retail restaurant world got to do during COVID. And, and that's uh, increased use of outside dining where you have a campus that uh, has that capability. Uh, there are quite a few campuses in the country that, that have huge outdoor areas that, um, that can be used and modified for, uh, for outdoor dining. And we all know that being outdoors is a little safer than being indoors right now. So I think you'll see some of that. I'll see, I think you'll see creative, uh, creative use of, uh, of delivery and mail. Uh, we created a brand during this time. It's called Munch Mail that, uh, that allows people to, to send um, uh, gift boxes with snacks and, and uh, food items and beverages and that kind of thing to folks at home who can then partake in a meeting, uh, like a Zoom meeting or a WebEx you know, Teams meeting, whatever it may be. And, uh, and they can open the box and have a snack just like they used to uh, in, a, in a meeting on campus where you would have a, a catered event. Uh, and so those kind of things, to Barbara's point, uh, you know, that food is, is often the glue. It's, it's what people bond around and, and uh, you know, what they, um, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been kind of the basis of community since, uh, since the world began. You know, people eat around a table or, you know, gather in the kitchen, that kind of thing. So things like that, you know, I think you'll see um, much more in the, uh, in the uh, immediate uh, future here. And, uh, and then, you know, depending on how things evolve, uh, I, th I think you'll see some of those things even accelerate. Let's chat a little bit about the physical space itself and how it's relating to uh, the folks that work there day in and day out. How are businesses viewing their spaces now that we're in this new normal? Would you say there's enough emphasis on the experience of the workplace as folks return? Uh, or would you say the focus is more on familiar operations and getting things back to normal? And I know we've kind of already posed this question more from an amenities side, but I guess if you want to talk a little bit more about uh, methodology here or just general attitudes of how businesses are approaching that uh, relationship with their workplace as more people return. I think that's a good point. You know, how are they approaching their workplace? You know, before before COVID, we talked a lot about the war for talent and then you know, during COVID, a lot of people lost their jobs, but that war for talent will come back, right? And the companies that listen to their employees and get it right will benefit. So, you know, you, you really have to take a pulse on, you know, what does your employee workforce want and how are you going to meet their needs? And one of the things is if you want people to come back, you've got to create an environment that people want to come to. You have to you know, you want them to be excited to come into the office. And you do that through making their life easier in their actual workspace and making these amenities, uh, you know, a key part of how you build your office space. Um, and, you know, you, you need to create opportunities for innovation. So, you know, using technology is going to be a, a key piece of um, how you would make this, you know, a better place to work. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, this, uh, this whole return to work piece, you, you've heard uh, the, the data 
where you know some companies have already announced they're going to work remotely forever. Some are saying they want everybody back, and there's a whole bunch of people who are, are waiting to to kind of see you know where they're actually going to land. Uh, it'll be some somewhere in between those two extremes, most likely. But for for places that really strive uh, to have that that culture of collaboration and networking and the casual uh, collaborative collisions, uh, you know, where, you know, you just bump into people and, and, you know, start a conversation pretty soon. You're talking about the next best idea for whatever company you work for. Those companies uh, are truly interested in, I think, figuring out how do I incent people to come back faster? Uh, Got to make it safe, clearly. But uh, what's the incentive? To get people in there, and that's uh, that is where this whole experience piece comes in. It's where the whole amenity balance um, comes in, and uh, you know, you um, uh, as as I think we've stated once or twice, you got to make it worthwhile uh, for someone to to just get out of the safety of their home and uh, and go to a place where they're they're going to be into a, in a you know a more crowded place, uh, likely indoors, and uh, and take some risk at least for now. You know, and later down the road, uh, some of that will dissipate. The vaccine will be out. We'll, we'll know for sure uh, that, you know, it, uh, it is safe or it isn't either way. Uh, but I, I think until then, that incentive has to be there for sure. And regardless, uh, even when the vaccine uh, is out and everyone, uh, you know, can put COVID behind them, you still need that experience. You still need that incentive uh, to, uh, to want to be there. Uh, rather than having to be there uh, and, and to, to make it a place where people can uh, integrate their work and life um, uh, to where it all makes sense for them. Because I think it really has come down in this COVID world to uh, being much more about giving the employee uh, what they need, when they need it, where they need it, how they need it. And, uh, and I think that's going to be with us for a long time. As businesses decide how to invest in that hospitality footprint, what are some of the key factors that you both think they need to consider when balancing the now various aspects of hybridized work, which is uh, you know, balancing work from anywhere, the return to the office, but then also when in office, creating uh, collaborative spaces that promote engagement, productivity, and you know can interface with not only remote but also in-person workers. Sure. Well, if heads if heads down work is done at home, which we all I think have have learned can be. So you don't need to go to the office to to answer email or to do some presentation that that you know you're solely focused on. But the office becomes a place for key team interactions, collaboration, technology focused meeting space. And, you know, a variety of social spaces that are designed to create, you know, a relaxed environment where conversation ideas grow and, and create innovation. Um, so th- those are, you know, interesting because in order to create the best work environment, you need to design those spaces and, and make giving up the time for the employee, you know, having to come into the office worth it, as we've said before. And, you know, some of those things, and, and they could be different in a city location than in a, in a truly urban, I mean, an urban setting versus a remote suburban campus. Um, but you should really consider what is the employee needs, you know, what's around them, how hard is it to get to something that they might need to do um, during the day? So can you, you know, 
bring more food and beverage options into the um, campus or building? Can you bring fitness and well-being? And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a gym. There's other ways that you can use, you know, open spaces and create, you know, interactive ways to get a little exercise or, you know, have a little rest or just a, a place to go to rest your mind. Um, daycare, convenience shopping, Prentice earlier mentioned groceries, being able to pick some things up before you go home, package delivery, it could be a nail and hair salon. There's a lot of different opportunities to think about the employee and what that employee needs and how do you make their life easier. And I think all of those pieces are on the table and should be on the table as companies consider what's most important to their culture and to their um, workforce. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, the creating spaces for collaboration and networking is as important as ever. Uh, the definition of the space may change a little bit. It, it can be certainly on the campus, and we've got to do that. Uh, as people come back to work, they're still going to look for those kinds of opportunities to gather in a location and and share ideas and and things of that nature. So we've uh, we've got to got to do that. That's uh, that's one of the first objectives uh, and primary objectives. Uh, we also have to do it to include people who may not be at campus, so that they're not robbed of that opportunity to network and collaborate either. So so to create that whole workspace. Yes, it has to be there on campus, but it also has to uh, has to uh, bridge. You have to be able to bridge uh, the gap for those people who uh, may work away from campus as well. All right, a few other intersections I want to make. I feel like we've heard uh, quite a bit now on how to create these experiences for um, folks that are returning to the office. But I want to pitch a few scenarios here of other key concerns or factors that might influence how a business decides what to do with their physical footprint. So uh, what are you hearing from businesses as key concerns for creating experiences when dealing with things like employee buy-in, for example? Are there any concerns around, you know, as folks return to the office, getting them engaged or motivated enough to want to participate in these events? Any concerns there? And if so, what do they look like? Well, first of all, I think I think that employees uh, are already showing a high degree of buy-in for a return to work uh, and or to keep working either way. As Barbara mentioned a little while ago with COVID, there were quite a few people who uh, may have you know, lost their job or been furloughed for some period of time. Uh, there's a huge interest out there, I think, for the masses to, uh, to be employed, number one, uh, to enjoy what they do and to enjoy the company they work for. Uh, and I, I think, uh, you, you know, there is this kind of overwhelming support to return to work, regardless of whether it's two to three days a week or, um, you know, one or two days a week. People do want some level of being back in the office. So I think I think there's a lot of buy in already to, uh, hey, let's let's get uh, let's get going here. Let's uh, let's, you know, turn the economic engine back on and uh, and, you know, you know, watch the revenue come back in and. and you know all of that kind of thing. So I, I think that's that's uh, that's there. 
Um, you know, I think as we've discussed, some of this may take a little different tack than it did in the past because we have learned new ways to work and the new normal is a new normal. It's not the old and may not ever be. Uh, so, you know, we, uh, we've got to, to kind of progress uh, with this thing as it goes. But I think you're going to find a, a whole lot of buy-in from employees to get back at it in whatever way best works for each of the companies that are out there and, um, and go from there. Yeah, agree, Prentice. And, and, you know, I would just say, you know, once again, it, it you have to listen to your employees too. And so, you know, gaining that feedback and, you know, even as you try new things and it could be in your workplace or, or with your remote workforce to, um, you know, take a check and, and make sure that you have engaged your employees and really understand what they need and want. All right. Another factor that might throw a wrench in things is for businesses that have now completely shifted to a remote workforce. So let's say that physical footprint is no longer part of the calculation, or if it is, it's for a really limited number of employees. Uh, what do we do about that? Is there any sort of strategy or um, or advice that you give for companies that are trying to engage these employees as well as create experiences that are valuable uh, and unifying and collaborative, but for a remote workforce? So I think that, you know, this is going to be interesting to see how it all turns out. Uh, we've learned a lot uh, over the last year with COVID. We've, we've learned how to work almost completely from home anyway, right, at least for the last year. There, there have been some companies who have essential workers who, who you know, continue to go to the office and did the entire time, but there's others that shut their spaces down the entire 12 months and have learned how to be productive during those 12 months. And I think what you're seeing with some of these companies that are now saying we'll work remotely forever is you know it's an ex it's a good experiment. I mean they've got um, business platforms that lend themselves to that remote work. Many of them are tech companies, and the uh, whole purpose behind tech in many ways is to allow you to work from wherever you need to or and maybe want to. So this will be uh, this will be an interesting uh, you know go forward uh, to see what what happens. Um, in you know, in the old days, I mean, some of this was tried before and, and had varying degrees of success. But, you know, we've had a 12 month test of this stuff and many companies have done just fine. So I think the, you know, as it relates to amenities and, and how you take care of people that are not on a campus, it's just a different mind shift, a different paradigm. I mean, you, you just you just have to figure out how to how to get them uh, engaged and keep them engaged. Um, you know, when they are removed from an office environment, uh, yet they still have the ability to connect through, uh, through tech, uh, you know, and, and whatever platform they're using, uh, you know, to, uh, to get visual uh, in front of people. And, and you know, it's, it's not quite in person, but it's, it's, it's not bad. And, uh, and we all learned during COVID how to, how to communicate with families and everything else that way. So, uh, so it's just, a, you know, it's a, it's a different uh, way to go about it that uh, could be hugely successful. Certainly, it, it uh, gives the employee a lot of flexibility. It, uh, it has the opportunity to give companies uh, maybe uh, a better way to pivot, to be more nimble, to have less uh, real estate assets and things like that. that uh, that might bog them down, and uh, and it could be a really bright future for uh, for many of them. 
I think the uh, the amenities are just uh, just the one thing, particularly as it might relate to food, uh, and you know a couple others that um, you know how do you optimize that for a workforce that's 100% remote. Uh, there are ways to do it through delivery, through mail, through drones, through robots, uh, and and third-party aggregators and those kind of things. Uh, so uh, so I think uh, I think time will tell on on this deal, but uh, but I certainly uh, uh, certainly see that there is room for this uh, this approach, and and I'm quite sure that um, quite a few companies will be very successful with it. Yeah, I think I think uh, in terms of amenities, I think it's also you know it'll be a, a lot more surprise and delight versus maybe all the time, you know, you're having food delivered every day. Um, there'll be boxes and things that may arrive or, you know, opportunities to do something um, fitness wise or mindfulness wise. I think there'll be solutions that are um, maybe not the same as, as being at work, but companies will still try to create opportunities to engage and to keep their workforce, you know, going. And then I think to Prentice's point, what's the long-term productivity look like for these companies that are fully remote? You know, some will probably be very successful and, and some may find that that it's not working and, and they need to, you know, shift back to some type of, um, you know, hybrid work environment. I think it's a lot of, of what any, you know, great talented uh, group of people would uh, would look for uh, first of all I think they like working with talent that is you know cream of the crop I think they like working in a place that is considered to be a best place to work um, I think you know they want to achieve the results uh, uh, you know that the company uh, needs to meet its uh, meet or exceed its goals uh, they clearly look for personal growth uh, they want to see business growth uh, to enable that personal growth as well. I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, as we go forward, um, work location is one of those things that is, is going to be impacted a little bit. Um, we, we've talked about how some may work away from campus, some may work on, um, you know, some, um, uh, some companies may, uh, you know, be very specific as to who works from home and who stays on the campus. Others may, uh, may allow a lot more flexibility there. But I, I think the one thing that's pretty certain is that, you know, it, it's it's not going to be quite the same as it used to be with 100% of the population showing up every day. Uh, I think you know they're they're going to look to optimize uh, that uh, that kind of you know where do I work, when do I do that, uh, and and so on. But again, it kind of goes back to uh, what's optimal for uh, the the total ecosystem. What's optimal for uh, the employees? What's optimal for the business? Uh, how do they intersect? Uh, so that they, uh, so that that ecosystem continues to evolve and grow. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, as, as some of the topics we've discussed today, as amenities and, um, and you know, just how you, how do you create that uh, that best place to work? And I think the, uh, you know, the, the this, um, uh, you know, each workforce will will find its own new uh, footing, if you will. On uh, on how to integrate work and life and 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 kind of uh, you know carve out that best path forward uh, for a win um, and and I think it, it, we've never seen a time at least in my career uh, where the workforce has been in a mindset to be as flexible as we need to be now as accepting of change as we need to now 
um, and as ready to move forward in a new way, um, you know, kind of realizing that there is going to be a new norm and things won't be the same as it used to be. So it's, it's uh, you know, I see, I see a lot less people worried about uh, losing the old. And I see, I see and happen to believe uh, in the philosophy that um, we, uh, we have far more to look forward to uh, in this in this business world of ours than we ever had behind us. So I'm optimistic about where we're headed and, uh, and feel like uh, that we're into a period of accelerated innovation. It's going to be a heck of a ride and a lot of fun. Yes, I think very well said, Prentice. I completely agree. I think that um, works, workplaces will evolve into a variety of spaces. It's not going to be just your desk anymore. You, you know you can work from anywhere. So you, so you are going to continue to you know want to have a place that you want to come and, and you have balance in your life. And, and people have been stressed to the limits. I mean, we know the mental health issues that have been, you know, uncovered in the last 12 months and um you know companies will also need to really spend a little time understanding you know how to support their employees um in in many ways in, including giving them tools to um to help some of their um well-being challenges and on that note i think that does it for the podcast conversation today thank you so much to both of our guests for your quality insights and for setting the bar high on this first episode of skip the line uh, again we've been chatting on the holistic view of the workplace its structures and where amenities and experiences are going to go post covid how they'll balance a remote hybridized and returning in person workforce. Again, we've been chatting with Prentice Hall, president and co-founder of LifeWorks Restaurant Group, and Barbara Bowden, managing partner for 4XI Global Consulting and Solutions. Prentice, thank you for joining us. If folks want to find out more about LifeWorks, how can they do so? Uh, they can go to our uh, our website, uh, LifeWorks Restaurant Group, and, uh, and they can learn quite a bit about us right there. Fantastic. And Barbara, same question for you. If folks want to find out more about 4XI, how can they do so? Sure, Forexi Consulting um, and on the web. And uh, yes, definitely check us out. We're here to help um, companies reimagine their, uh, their return to work. Fantastic. Barbara, Prentice, thanks to both of you and looking forward to chatting again soon. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Skip the Line, a MASH Gin podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to more episodes as we release them, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as heading to our website, mashgin.com, for more information on some of the technologies you heard about today, but also some broader thought leadership, including podcasts, videos, and more. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. <laughs>